shalom, everyone. This is Dr. Dina Dye, and welcome back to our podcast, Returning to Eden. And today I'm joined once again by my dear friend, Bodhi Taney. Hi, Bodhi. Yeah, shalom and hi. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited. Uh, our last program was a giant hit. Uh, people just loved what we were sharing, and, of course, you brought so much to the table so we thought we'd do another one, and, and really, there's so much going on, and we want to try to put it all in perspective. And we want to talk some about the, the amazing relationship between the United States and Israel. So before we get started, the name of the last show was called For Zion's Sake, and you can find that on Podbeam, or you can go to my website, Foundations in Torah. And we looked at the similarities between what's going on culturally in our country and World War II. Now, for those of you who don't know, um, Bodhi Tanya and her husband Brock are the dynamic duo of writing, and they have written over 70 works of historical fiction, 35 million in print, I think in over 30 languages. And Bodhi, I know you, uh, the backdrop the, the has been Israel, Ireland, Arkansas, you've looked at Second Temple period Israel, uh, what other time periods and time frames have you covered? Well, we have done some, uh, you know, American West uh, novels, and those are also uh, historical. Um, the the theme that runs through all of our fiction, and it is historical fiction. They're not re- romance. They're you actually learn something when you read them. Amen. The theme has been that of reconciliation in the uh, Zion Chronicles and the Zion Covenant. You see a um, a a, a blend of uh, Gentile and Jew. You see that, uh, for instance, Israel is the trunk of the tree. It is the roots. It's it's all of that, and that the Gentiles then are grafted in. And so, um, when we began writing, uh, Dina, it was it was with the thought that uh, replacement theology in the church was on the rise. Mm-hmm. And that that was, you know, people who said uh, the church is Israel. And, of course, that's not the case at all. Um, And so we began writing to show the Jewishness of Jesus, uh, the A.D. Chronicles, which are uh, Yeshua uh, in the first century. Uh, I mean, in in the context of Israel, when when, uh, Israel was occupied by by, uh, and controlled by Rome, um, it, he it shows his Jewishness, and uh, those are we have about uh, probably eighteen novels that are Yeshua in in his uh, in the world that that was, and so you see his Jewishness. You see the people who who met him. You know, we might take uh, three uh, three verses in uh, scripture that tell about someone. And um, and develop those uh, into characters, people with lives, because everybody who met him had a life before, had a life meeting him, and a reason to meet him, and a reason to be in scripture, and then a life after, and what happened to them. So those are that's just an example of of what we've done. It is uh, these are novels that are meant to be revelatory of the um, of the person. And the 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 reason Yeshua came and walked among us, 
And, yes, uh, that series, <clears throat> AD Chronicles, powerful, and you you both are able to just capture the that the historical context, and then create and develop these characters. And I I, I love that series. It was just really yeah. powerful. And to give people, you. you know, I think some people just forget Yeshua was Jewish. So yes, you know, they do. <laughs> yeah, you, you put they it right. Do, and yeah, they they forget that that uh, Israel is the is the key to uh, to all prophecy and all scripture, and that 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 runs throughout all scripture in uh, 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 Torah and uh, the prophets and and all the way through into the the New Testament. You see, uh, you see that that God has placed Israel as the center of His heart as the apple of his eye and and Israel is throughout all of scripture to the last of revelation and that's what's so exciting about what's happening right now amen amen well just to quickly mention Bodhi's latest book is called on the mountain of the Lord it was the first in the Elijah Chronicles with uh, more to come and that also takes place modern-day Israel and uh, she was the executive producer and screenwriter for the movie I Am Not Ashamed, which was the life of Rachel Scott, who was um, murdered at, at Columbine. And I believe that you, now that movie was, uh, you were nominated for Dove Award, isn't that correct? Yes, yeah, we were. We were uh, finalists for the Dove Award uh, for most inspirational movie of the year. And uh, that was an exciting thing to see. And um, Rachel's life was so worthy. Uh, she was just, you know, a young kid and went through all the stuff that, uh, that high school kids go through, and yet she had her faith and was facing opposition. The two young men uh, who uh, committed the atrocity at uh, Columbine were, interestingly enough, neo-Nazis. They, that, that happened on the birthday of Adolf Hitler, and I, I think it was the um, demonic manifestation, a beginning of anti-Semitism, because she did, Rachel did have, uh, she was very assimilated, but she did have some Jewish uh, family connections from what we understand. We didn't uh, emphasize that at all, but, but that was there. And, of course, her strong faith. Um, and she was the first person, the first uh, martyr, uh, of that horrific event, and then from there, uh, you know, other things developed. But, uh, but yeah, we think because it was on Hitler's birthday that it was very much a manifestation of um, of the outbreak of war, spiritual warfare, and uh, that that's what we're seeing today with all of these things that happen. Well, and that really brings us to, of course, we just had Purim this week, and we've had kind of uh, Trump announcing that U.S. officially recognizes Israel's sovereignty over the Golan, and we, we talked a little bit last time about the rise of anti-Semitism in the Congress we have with Ilhan, um, Omar, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. So this uh, very uh, perilous times, um, so maybe we can talk just a few minutes, and you shared, I think, on a Facebook post of the relationship between uh, the Trump administration recognizing Israel's sovereignty and Purim. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Well, it, it is so significant that uh, here in this country, 
that we have always been supporters of uh, of Israel, and I, I, I mean, always from the very beginning, which most people do not know. The connections are so strong between the U.S. and I believe that the uh, that the scripture in uh, Revelation three, um, beginning with verse seven, I think that's us. It, it's so interesting to me to hear people expound on the the seven churches. And they are, of course, yes, it is a spiritual metaphor, but I also believe it is a literal um, description of this country. And I can, uh, you know, when, whenever the words are in red uh, in your scripture, you really need to pay attention because those are the words of Jesus. And so I, I have that uh, scripture right in front of me, and I'd like to read this. Yes, go uh, ahead. And then talk a little bit uh, with you about it. Okay, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And then it speaks here of the synagogue of Satan, which I believe we also see. Um, And then I'm going to come down here to, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. And it goes on to, to, to speak about him who endures, that, that he will make a pillar. And I, I believe Philadelphia is us. I, I really believe it is us, and I'll tell you why. Philadelphia was the, uh, was the place that everything happened our Constitution happened there. It was the Amen. first capital of the United States of America. It was the place where people fled when the, when the British um, invaded and, and captured New York City. They came to Philadelphia. I'm talking about the Jews now. Now, my, my, is this the place to talk about my own family? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Go for it. I, 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 I think so. My... My family were Sephardic Jews who fled the persecution of uh, Spain and Portugal in the 1600s, who fled to Holland first, where there was a very, very strong Sephardic community in uh, Holland. And then uh, when the, uh, uh, after the, the regicide in, in uh, England, which was a terrible thing, but but Cromwell came in, and they opened the doors to Jews because of the, the uh, their ability to, um, to to manage commerce. They opened those doors, and my family, the Luceda family, were the first to come in. They helped to build. They are on the rolls of um, Bevis Mark Synagogue, which still exists in uh, in East London. And from there, then, my, my own family, uh, Abraham Luceda, came with his son, uh, Aaron, 
and uh, came to uh, came to New York and settled there were the uh, original part of the original founding of the first synagogue in New York, which still exists, Sherith Israel. And um, they're on the rolls there. They are. Uh, they went across to uh, New Jersey. They built the first synagogue in New Jersey. And um, there, uh, Aaron Luzeda, my uh, great-grandfather, great-great-great-great-grandfather, is listed uh, as one of the 13 Jewish uh, founders at Patriots Park uh, with Toro Synagogue. Now, that, that is significant because you have this community of Jews very small community of Jews who fled persecution. Think about Europe. There is no nation which has not persecuted the Jews, which has not had Semitism to the point of murder and mass murder and, and expulsion. And yet, in the mid-1600s, when people began fleeing to America, which was a, a colony, they, they came to America for the sake of religious freedom. Amen. Not just Jews, but Christians came to worship here. Philadelphia became the center of all of that, of, of all things that were uh, the Constitution, the, you know, the longing for freedom, the, the desperate... Um, hearts of men that said no more tyranny, and and they 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 gathered there, and they worshipped the Lord whether they were uh, you know Protestant or or Catholic or anything in between, and the Jews, and the Jews, and the um, Sephardic synagogue in Philadelphia is a. Um, uh, is a copy of the one in Holland, a copy of the one in Bevis Mark, and uh, it was established there, and that was the um, that was the great root of Judaism. Now I will quickly tell one story here. There is in the autobiography of Jonathan Edwards, who was a, a great Protestant theologian uh, in the early 1700s. He described a Jewish man that he lived next to who stood at the eastern window and prayed tikkun olam, prayed the prayer for the, for the restoration of Jerusalem. Yeah. And he faced east at midnight. And Jonathan Edwards wrote, I have never seen a more devout man. And the heart's of the Jewish people, of the Sephardic Jewish people who came to this land, this new, untouched, unmarred land, as far as anti-Semitism was concerned, there wasn't. It didn't. It wasn't there. The hearts, all of them, said, "This new place is a gathering place for our people from all nations to come here." And when we are all gathered together here, we will go home to Israel. And they believed it. They believed it. And there was a messianic fervor among that group of Jews. And I believe that my own forefathers were messianic. I truly 
believe that they were Messianic Jews. And what they, they could not speak in Portugal or Spain or, you know, within any Jewish community, um, they, they could speak here. And, um, of course, the name of the synagogue in, uh, in New York that they founded is the Remnant of Israel. Right. And um, Israel, yeah. Yes, yes. And, and George Washington then. You know, a lot of people don't know that, uh, that the Jews not only supported and fought within the Continental Army, but they also financially, um, to yes, their own, the they, supported, they supported this and were accepted. And George Washington then went to Turo Synagogue, where my uh, ancestor is honored, and he stood up and he said, every Jew in this land should have his own vine and fig tree and we will not permit bigotry he wrote the letter you can you know go online and look it up George Washington Turo Synagogue and you'll see the copy of the letter so we from the very beginning right the way through to you know Truman being the first President Truman being the first international leader to recognize Israel you know, the funding for Israel, for the establishment of the state of Israel in 47, 48, well, right the way through. All of that came from this country, from this beautiful land, from the hearts of evangelical Christians who longed for Israel to have a home. It all came from this place. This is, you know, Golda Meir is from Milwaukee. I mean, you right. just you, you just look at it. The ties are so strong. So finally, Dina, what happens? We finally, finally, after all of these years, 70 years, we have a president who not only recognizes Israel but supports Israel and cuts off the terrorism. We have a president who who says, you know, Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel. Let's, what are we doing? Why don't we move the, you know, let's move the, the, uh, the embassy. And what happened on Purim? What happened on Purim? Go for it, girl. <laughs> well, I, and I, I think I'm going to read my, I, uh, I was asked to make a statement for APIP related to uh, the, uh, the Trump administration so some of you may not. Uh, let me go back. 1967 is when Israel officially uh, gained the Golan Heights. And if you've ever been to Israel, the Golan is, is, a high, is high ground and, and it overlooks in part of the, the Sea of Galilee. And I have to mention, so back in 19, late 73 into early 74, I actually went to Israel as a hippie. Um, I was living on the kibbutz, uh, Deganya Aleph, which is at the southern end of the Sea of Galilee. And so I heard all the stories about how the Syrians would be on the high ground in the Golan, basically shooting at the fishermen down below in the Sea of Galilee. This is very important strategic ground to, for the protection and stability of Israel. So uh, let me just quickly read what I, the, the statement I sent to, to APIP. Thank you, Mr. President, for officially acknowledging Israel's formal annexation of the Golan Heights in 1981.
for repudiating the UN's resolution not to recognize the annexation and for overturning the short-sighted policy of all previous U.S. presidents. You have stated the obvious and what every Israeli knows. Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights is the key to security and stability in the entire region. Um, just, I mean, do you realize how long this has been going on and, and yeah. just this sort of batting? I mean, the UN has not been our friend. The State Department has not been our friend. And yet this president is willing to, to, to finally step out and acknowledge what everybody's known. Now, I, I do, it is interesting. I was in Israel 2012 with a film crew, and we, we went up to the Golan Heights. Uh, we, we actually go to visit the Barak Brigade, which they were involved in the um, 1973 Yom Kippur War, which is another whole story we probably don't have time for. But I, ta I was talking to some of the soldiers because we were on the Golan, and, I, you know, I recognized its importance, but these young soldiers at the time were saying, well, it doesn't really matter. We can give we can give this land back to Syria. I mean, I'm just staring at them incredulously because these are our soldiers. And I, I just, that, that spirit in the young people was really grievous to me that they didn't even yeah. really recognize what, then they're standing on the Golan Heights. So yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I don't know if that's still the same. But uh, yeah, this, this is just, I mean, it's huge. It, um, it yes. just goes along with the embassy and, and then I know there's a lot of um, rumor going on about what's going to happen as far as this, the, the solution in Israel and that, that the Trump administration is going to announce something after Passover. So people are kind of nervous about what this peace treaty thing might look, look like. And I haven't been able to find anybody who <laughs> knows anything. So yeah. um, I'm, I am a little... Concern, but but you know, if we judge from what he's done in the past, it's hard to imagine he's just going to divide up the yeah. land. Yeah, I, I I am I'm with you on that, and I'm really praying yes. that the uh, that the spirit of wisdom will continue to be on him because up to this point he has not made a false step, and so we just need to continue to pray for him. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting with uh, Golan that the uh, that the UN troops uh, that have been there sleep on the Israeli side, uh, not the Syrian side, and and the, and that's because it the safety of Israel yes. is uh, is so strong, and you know what has been going on on the on the Syrian side is just so uh, profoundly violent and evil, and so we have this um, this blessed land. And and when you look, you know, you look down on it from a satellite, you can see it's green, and the and you know the rest of the area around is just, you know, the the desolation remains. So I I feel that uh, you know Golan, which was the uh, I believe it was the the name of a sanctuary city uh, uh, in the Bible uh, that was in that area. Now of course it's become the you know the name of the whole. Uh, that whole uh, area of Israel, and was it not? Uh, it, it Somebody really will remind is. me. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Well, I was yeah. after uh, after the Yom Kippur War. Again, I was in Israel. I used to. I went up to the Golan quite a number of times because a friend of mine named Jessica was on a kibbutz up there, and uh, it was just 
I mean, I'm a 20-something-year-old, fairly clueless, and just Syrian t- tanks strewn all over the place and mines yeah. and, you know, just, I mean, that was kind of my last memory of the Golan Heights in 1974. And then I didn't go yeah. back to Israel until the 90s, and I was just shocked at the change and what yeah. the Israelis had done uh, to the land. And, and uh, I mean, it was just, it was truly remarkable. So that 20, yeah, and, 20 and, period. Uh, anecdotally, just what they have done then has touched, you know, even I'm on the west coast of, of the U.S. I'm in the middle of the vineyards in California, which is, uh, which is this beautiful uh, bubble of greenery here uh, in small little towns in the, on the central coast. And I know that in that same period of time, seven men from this area went to Israel to, uh, to learn from the Israelis how to, how to do drip irrigation in the vineyards. And so um, Israel uh, made the land blossom. Well, guess what? Those guys then brought it back here to America and this this place now is the uh, you know the wines here on the central coast rival those of uh, anywhere in the world, and so you have this reciprocal thing that has gone on, and it's not only you know a spiritual between the U.S. and Israel, but it's also a, a there are physical manifestations that if you know the history of a place, you can say, oh, that came from Israel, and it's right here, it's planted right here on the far west, as far as you can go, west uh, coast of the, of the continent of, uh, of the United States. Amen. So, you know, we have those, those kinds of things that have gone on over the, um, over the, the, the last uh, 70 years that have just been life-changing and, um, and land-changing even here. I think we're... Not only Philadelphia, I think we are a suburb of uh, of Israel, and um, and that's why uh, Satan is working so hard to destroy this country and destroy the constitution and and uh, yeah, and interesting. Going yeah. back to your family, I I mean I was profoundly moved to think that Jonathan Edwards had observed someone in your family facing oh, yeah. to Jerusalem. So think about yeah. it. I mean. Those of you who are familiar with Jonathan Edwards, his most famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. But that began the Great Awakening. I it mean, did, is that yeah. not, you know, you wonder, was there something in that as he observed, you know, your family and recognizing yeah. the importance of Israel? And the Great Awakening begins. And the Great Awakening is really the foundation for all our universities in the United States. I mean, yeah. it, it united the colonies, you know, leading up to the up, up to the revolution. Uh, yeah. And and then you, now you look at us. I mean, how what since not, what how seventeen hundreds? Look where we are. Look where we've come. Yeah. How far? How far? Yeah. I did want to and, say something. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and yet there is just just as in uh, you know the the scripture in Revelation three. There is a core that though you are small, I see you and that you're faithful. 
And I believe that this core of faithful believers, whether they are Jew or Gentile, Messianic or, um, or Gentile, evangelical believers, I, I really believe that our presence is the salt and light that keeps this country going, and we're seeing it. Now people are not afraid to say, I am a Christian. I, yeah. I, you know, I am a, I'm a Messianic Jew. We speak up, we stand up, we say, this is who we are. Remember where we come from. And that's, uh, that's why this battle is going on so intensely right now in our own, uh, in, in our states, in our counties, in our cities. Um, it, it's, it, it is, it goes back to those roots. Dina and um, and the support of Israel is uh, meeting opposition from people like Omar and right. uh, and, the, and the others uh, who are truly anti-Semites. They're showing themselves to be not only the party of death but also uh, anti-Israel. And so we're the the lines are becoming so very clearly delineated right now in our own country. Yeah. Well, I was thinking too. I mean, going back to Philadelphia. So Philadelphia really represents for our country the building of this house, the you know, yes, it does. Independence, the constitution. So the concept yeah. of house building or temple building if you will. So it was a yeah. couple of points in that uh, the verses that you just read which is I'm just going to give the folks the sort of historical back backdrop because you know we read the key, the key of David and everybody kind of doesn't you know, yeah. know or what on earth does that mean but if we go back into the second temple it's very interesting there was a as you came inside through into the porch ulam area and you had the, the dormitory of the priests so there was a there was like a I don't know how to describe it sort of a there was a flooring that came up and the there was a, uh, one assigned to open the doors to the temple in the morning. And once the mm. doors were open, then the services could begin. And so they would lift up this uh, spot, this flooring part, and there would be a chain with a key hanging on it. And so this, I think it was the Abbate Dean, someone will correct me if I'm wrong, would take the key and it would open the door to allow the priest to come in and and do the services of the temple for that day and that was actually the key of David because the throne of the king of course was to be in the holy of holies where where the king would sit and then we have imagery in that same um, those same verses about the pillar in the house of the Lord so yes. those of you who remember in the temple of Solomon they all ancient temples had pillars out front but we have the Boaz and Yachin, the two pillars that were out in front of mm. the temple. So this to me describes the building of the house of the Lord. Now what is the point of building a house? The, we, the temples were built so that the presence of God or the presence of whoever God they were worshiping, but the presence of the God would be inside the temple. And that would be, you know, that's where people approached. And so now we, we clearly don't have a standing temple, but God has, God, all that to say that God was building a country, if you will, in the yes. imagery of a temple house, 
so that he could dwell in the midst of this country. And he yes. could rule and reign from the midst of his country amongst his people, where his people could approach yes. him. So that was all that kind of came to my mind as you were reading those verses. And so we can't forget that God is in the midst of his people. And yes, his people do represent yeah. that temple until such time. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and ancient Philadelphia has not existed, uh, uh, you know, Almost since uh, since the book of Revelation was uh, was written, and it, and it is it's really interesting to me, Dina, that um, uh, people forget that Revelation is end times, and where is Philadelphia in the end times? It's here, and I, I you know I look at that, and it and it speaks of um, you know don't let anyone take your crown, don't let because that implies that somebody's going to try. And I think we're seeing people try right now. And yet the Lord says, I will, I will, if you overcome, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God, and never Amen. again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the... Listen to this. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God. And I will also write on him my new name. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. And I, I don't know how, but I believe that that speaks to us right now at this moment. And I believe that the, that the fact that the United States is the first to uh, to acknowledge Philadelphia, Philadelphia meaning that is the representation of who we are here in this country. I believe that the fact that the United States of America was the first to say, Jerusalem, eternal capital, let's move the embassy and let's stop this nonsense. And I, I, I really believe it's somehow tied up in that verse that... Um, uh, you know that we will be uh, written into the history of the city and what's coming, which is the the coming of the new Jerusalem when when the Lord comes, when the Messiah comes uh, back to Israel and rules over all the earth. So I, you know, I look at that and I know that Philadelphia didn't exist even when this was written. It was destroyed by an earthquake. You can go to the ruins in Turkey and see mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and. And, you know, uh, it's now got another name, a Turkish name. Uh, You you know that this is not something that is end times as far as that particular Philadelphia is concerned. And yet we still exist. And that the Liberty Bell, you know, proclaim liberty to all the land, that scripture is uh, is even on our our Liberty Bell. So I, you know, there's, there just are so many ties to this nation being the supporter and the launch pad for the restoration of Israel that I, and in times restoration in times fulfillment of prophecy. I mean, this is, uh, it, it moves me so much to stand and fight for this, for the liberty of this country, 
to stand for the Constitution, to remember that we are the only nation where any Jew has ever been that, that ha- we have not had a systematic persecution of the Jews in this country. Um, it's uh, anti-Semitism may be on the rise because uh, 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 you know previous administrations um, imported uh, anti-Semitism into this land, but um, but at the core of it, you have people who believe in Yeshua, who are uh, supporters of Israel, like no other place in the in the entire world. And that, to me, says we need to get back to our foundation. We need to stand on that foundation. And I, I love what you said about the, you know, the flooring that you, that you lifted up and, and uh, the gates open. And that's, what, that's what's happened here. That's what's happened here is the gates have opened and Israel is reborn. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I mean, it's, I feel yeah. very very emotional about it <laughs> yeah well I, and I know uh, all, I, might be a good time for me to mention I know uh, Michael and I were uh, in Florida last week and uh, we were at Mar-a-Lago unfortunately the president didn't show up last week and he's there this weekend I'm going well that was bad timing but mm-hmm. whatever um, so I was, in, I was invited. Uh, what's happening is there's an organization, uh, it's called APIP, American Pro-Israel PAC, and uh, it's kind of spearheaded by a gentleman named Jason Sullivan. And it's just getting off the ground. I think they filed their paperwork back in August, and of course there's a lot of work to do, but it, it is essentially the first and only Judeo-Christian conservative PAC. There's lots of PACs, and there's APAC, which is not a conservative organization. And, I, and up until now, I mean, most evangelical Christians who want to support Israel have done it through APAC, but they've had to hold their nose on some of APAC's positions. Anyways, we were invited to this gala event at Mar-a-Lago, which is, you know, it's one of those things uh, when we were asked, you know, I'm going, uh you know, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. I'm pretty sure I'm never going to have this opportunity again. Uh-huh. So yeah. let's just take it. And, uh, you know, we had to go through the, you know, Secret Service checks, and and they um, took us on a nice bus over there as we drove by the $50 million mansion <laughs> next to Mar-a-Lago. My mouth dropped open. I mean, just uh, walking in there, you know, I was trying to process everything I could see and, you know, how ornate and how the other side lives. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, it was a wonderful evening. Uh, we had Jonathan Kahn was one of the keynotes. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, he, he, he gave a great message. It was, I mean, he just, he went for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes the volume was turned up <laughs> it was like a trumpet blasting. But it was a mixture of uh, evangelical Christians and Jews. We had um, Rabbi Shiner from Palm Beach. He's an Orthodox Jew. He's, they call him the rock star of, of the Palm Beach synagogue. <laughs> he, I, uh-huh. I, I liked him. And then Rabbi Feldman, who was a conservative Jew, and some of the, the members of their, uh, of their congregations, 
and people like us who I don't know where we fit, but we uh, we had our own table and just uh, kind of a mishmash of some movers and shakers, and uh, that you know they they shared their heart and the idea was to be able to join together as Jews and Christians, conservative conservative values, yeah. Judeo Christian values. Yes. So who on earth knows how, you know, uh, this is at the, the beginning stages, it's always hard to get something going. But I felt really, I, I felt impressed that I needed to be a part of this. And of course I would take it back to my community and start raising awareness about there is a place that you can put your financial support, you can pray. These guys want to educate lawmakers on the importance of supporting Israel. I think there's lawmakers that support Israel and have absolutely no idea why they support Israel. Uh, there yeah. has to be a home, uh, hopefully, for all the the Jews who have supported the Democrat Party and don't even know why they do that. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we have you know we have an option for them. So that is basically, uh, in a nutshell, what what I was doing there, and um, I'm hoping for great things to come out of this. Yeah, yeah, I know things things are changing now there is a there's a political awakening that is um you know that that is uh the the foundation of that is of course uh, a biblical awakening and we're not seeing uh we're not seeing one without the other people are waking up they are beginning to comprehend that this is a real battle for the soul of uh, of of America. This is a real battle for the survival of us and also for uh, for Israel. I I deeply disagree with people who uh, who slam the founders uh, of this country. Who and and there are some you know within our own. Uh, world who say, oh no, no, they were you know evil people. They were you know bad people. They they uh, and and they go you know people who go into um, assigning a deep state motive to some of our founders. And the reality is that's not that was not what God said. And when you get to know the people who loved god who came and founded this country you see that there is a uh there's a real spiritual link that continues to this day and what you just did in mar-a-lago is a is proof of that that we stand and there are there are uh uh, jews are awakening now to Mm -hmm. the fact that they have been really duped by people who do not love them and do not love israel and it's the same as those who stand up uh, in the Congress and say they're Catholic, and yet they are so horrifically pro-abortion. You have that happening, and you know they're not Catholic because the most uh, pro-life people that that we know uh, that we work with in um, in different pro-life organizations are the you know are Catholic, and so you've got that. Um, that core group of people there. You have uh, Jews who are beginning to turn uh, their eyes to uh, to a truth that says the Democrat Party is not the party that that supports Israel and not the party that supports us. They simply use us. 
and, you know, our, for, the, yeah. for our money. <laughs> for our money, yeah. yeah and, it, and it's it's gonna it's gonna turn. It's gonna change now. Well, so, I mean, this I, is the party out for their destruction, and they just you know, seventy four percent of Jews have voted for Democrats, and you just yeah. scratch your head. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I uh, really interesting to me to see that and and to to know that uh, uh, that that is changing. Ye- uh, yesterday, Brock and I had a beautiful lunch with a, um, a Jewish man um, who whose family goes back to uh, to the uh, Babylonian exile. Him, he escaped from Tehran uh, in the um, in the revolution. Really? He and his wife and small child. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Iranian Jew. And he said there are five, five, maybe as many as ten thousand Jews in Iran. And he said, why, why do they permit them to stay there? He said, well, yeah. he said they are um, future hostages, and you better believe it that uh, that they remain in the land um, and are not at this moment persecuted because uh, because the uh, people in charge of Iran think um, Israel is not going to defend themselves if we have, you know, 5,000 or 10,000 Jews here. Hmm. So there's this, <clears throat> yeah, there's this, I mean, it was the most amazing lunch. I think it lasted. Yeah. We, we talked for, you know, two and a half hours about all of this and everything going on. And, of course, uh, Golan and the United States and uh, and what it was like to... Uh, to escape from uh, Iran during that period of time, and what has happened now? What what happened when Sharia law and the uh, Muslim extremists took over that uh, that country? So I, you know, I'm looking at it all, and it's also tied together. It is also immensely prophetic as far as the um, every single thing you see in the news means something i say it all the time everything means something and yes it really does dina it really does i i am um i'm just sure of it well it's uh you know it's interesting to me so israel of course was to uh mediate on behalf of the nations between god and the nations and i kind of see the u.s functioning in much the same way as as sort of me mediators between the rest of the world on behalf of Israel, you know, before God. I mean, yeah. the rest of the world is, is gone, gone globalist. I mean, yes. uh, we are the last bastion. I mean, didn't Ronald Reagan say something about it? I mean, this is There's it. no place else we to go. go. Yeah. We're done. Uh-huh. And, yeah. uh, it, you know, and it's, it's time. I know other nations have been praying for us. I know, you know, the Chinese underground church is praying for America because we're in such sorry shape. But yeah. uh, it's time for us to rise up in our own country. And, uh, you know, truly I'm praying for a great awakening, such as Jonathan yeah. Edwards led. And, and I say that to, it's not just about, I mean, yes, we must pray and get on our face and repent and cry out to God, but we, act, we have to be active. And I've always said, you know, the kingdom that Yeshua talked about, the kingdom of heaven is now here present. It is in our midst, and it is yeah. very much political. And people who can't handle yeah. the, I hate using the word, but it's the reality. It's all yeah. political. 
And yes, so don't yeah. get all weird about that. Um, it's time yeah. for us to, you know, to take back our country, to take back territory that we have ceded to the enemy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, who else is going to yeah. do it but us? Well, I, you know, I, I love it that you say that because I know that you have been active in your own state and that yeah. you have you have had a, a great effect in your own state. And I, this is... This is who the uh, the church, the ecclesia. This is who we are supposed to be: um, Gentiles and Jews together yes. with, you know, uh, the the Lord God Almighty in our midst and in our hearts. We are supposed to be as active, as uh, proactive as. John the Baptist. Now he got his head chopped off because he was political. Yeah. Because he said, yeah. "This isn't right. We're not going to." Every single prophet in the in in Scripture was political, and yet we have this sleep that has just absolutely fallen over today's church. And you know what? It can't be. We cannot be apathetic. It is, Scripture says over and over and over again, you, to, to stand back while evil is perpetrated is as if you um, participated agree, in you're participated in it. And, um, you know, I mean, that, boy, that is a huge responsibility to all of us. Could, could you share what you did in your state? Because I think it's really significant. Dina, that you stood up and said, not here, not on my front porch, and you made a difference just in well, the last week. I, uh, you know, I feel that I was a rallying cry because I wasn't uh, necessarily the boots on the ground. So, for example, with the abortion bill, and I won't go into the weeds on this, uh, HB 51, we had a law in place that did provide some protections uh, for instance, parental consent and uh, medical personnel conscientious objection status, and uh, and then abortions uh, had to be performed by you know those with uh, medical degrees, etc. And they wanted to basically throw that law out and make it a free for all. So I have to give kudos to the Family Alliance of New Mexico, and there's a Abortion Free New Mexico is another organization. These are the folks that were on the ground, that, you know, were in the Capitol, that went to the meetings. I, my job, I just felt i got to rally the troops. i got to let people know what's going on day by day, and, and I'm pretty good at pulling information together and, uh, you know, saying it succinctly and getting it out there. So I was really calling on my tribe, you know, to pray. And I think what's so cool is, I mean, people were praying and interceding on behalf of this just horrendous bill that would have allowed abortion, you know, up to the moment of birth with yeah. virtually no restriction. And it was actually the worst abortion bill in the nation, worse than Virginia, yeah. New York, et cetera. Anyways, the, the troops were rallied and they prayed and they, in this case, they got to see the fruit of their labor. Because we in the the Senate was the last stand, and it was 2616 Democrat Republican. Basically, we needed six Democrats to cross over, and um, 
it was the night when we got to Palm Beach. I was sitting on the beach and just praying, Lord, you know, let... I was looking at the moon and the light shining, and then the clouds covered the moon, but the light was still shining. And I had this moment like, don't let it be five Democrat senators. Like, let's not lose by one. Anyway, eight eight Democrat senators uh, came over and voted against the bill. And it's a miracle. People need to understand it was an absolute miracle in our state. And uh, the other, and I won't go into all the details, but when the whole, they started, they passed several gun, uh, universal background checks and gun confiscation laws. Anyways, the counties started to push back. The sheriff, it began with the sheriffs because these laws were unconstitutional, uh, not only federally, but within New Mexico. And and the sheriff said, "We're, we're not supporting this. And we are not going to enforce these laws. They're unenforceable anyways. So there was pushback. 26 counties and eight towns voted themselves to be Second Amendment sanctuary towns. Just the same way that our state and counties just arbitrarily decided to become uh, sanctuary cities for illegals, this move happened across the country. And I... One of the lawmakers, actually, my representative, made the comment how, you know, this was just not obeying these laws was just lawless and blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, okay, if this is lawless, then what do we call the, sec- you know, sanctuary yeah. counties? I mean, excuse me. But anyways, I rallied yeah. the troops in my town. I don't live in a big town, 4,000 people, but I, you know, I got on the phone. I sent emails. I knocked on business doors. I got in touch with gun clubs. I... You know, there were several Facebook groups. I just went crazy. And we had a meeting, and I was shocked because 130 people showed up to that meeting. And everyone made their case, and eventually, just the other night, the the city voted 3-2 to in favor of declaring our town a Second Amendment sanctuary town. Now, all that to say is I'm one person, and look what happened. Right, and, and I, that's, that's the point. Yeah, is one person can make a difference. And, you know, and what is the origin of the Second Amendment? The origin of Second Amendment is from our forefathers being prohibited from having guns in exactly. England. Well, and, they, they and knew so, it was the yeah. bulwark against tyranny. That's the only thing yes. we've got against a tyrannical government is our right to yeah. bear arms. Yeah. Look what's just yeah. happened in New Zealand. Uh, yeah. that, that prime minister on steroids is banning everything in sight and, you know, uh, assault yeah. weapons, so-called assault weapons. And yeah. She, yeah. Is now, she said, I'm just getting started. And now she's calling for gun confiscation. And this is how t- yeah. tyranny begins. I mean, this is what happened in World War II. This is what happened in Venezuela. This is what happens everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. So our Constitution, I would say to everybody, our Constitution is truly a holy document. I mean, Amen. it is. And that's, that's something that, uh, that I think a lot of Christians do not understand. We need to know our Constitution. And once we know that, that directs our uh, political leanings. That directs our speech. That directs how we think and what we do. And that's why it's so important to know that the people who came together, who formed this country in, in, in concert with my fathers who said, 
you know, okay, we also support Israel. We support Israel, <clears throat> in, intensely support Israel, and the right for Jews to exist. And when we, <clears throat> excuse me, when we look at, at that document, which was formed and, uh, and, and caused to be the basis and the foundation of this country, in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. we again. understand that, the, yes, again, that this is the document upon which every good thing, every good thing in this country was formed, every right, every protection, and that those, those protections that they, that they laid out, our founders laid out in the Constitution, are because of tyranny and abuse that happened to those folks overseas before they came. And tyranny continues throughout all the world, and, and we're seeing it attempt. Tyranny is evil. Tyranny is uh, spiritually evil and spiritual darkness. And it is attempting right now to steal our crown, and we must not let it. We, we need to be who God has called us to be within this nation, within the structure of this nation, and that's, that's a constitutional republic Amen. of uh, a joining of states. So, you know, it's all together, and our support of Israel is above all else. It is uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. I will bless those who bless Israel. I will curse those who, bl- who curse you. And so our blessings come from that fundamental promise to Abraham in, uh, in Genesis. And um, so it's all, it's all tied together. Connect the dots. You see a giant constellation in the sky that says, yeah, you're, you're there. And, um, and we're the remnant. We are the remnant of Israel here. That's exactly and, um, right. Yeah, and, and it's all tied together. Well, and our Declaration of Independence was basically designed after a biblical covenant, the, the biblical covenant at Sinai, at Sinai. And so much of, of how we've been established is based on what, what was established by Israel, even in the ancient world. There's, exactly. There's so much of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we yeah. could, oh my gosh, we didn't even touch on the whole covenantal aspect, which I guess we'll just have to do another show sometime. Yeah, I think we're probably <laughs> going to have to do that, Dina. I, I so love it. I, it's, um, I, was, I was saying, you know, I, I write things on my Facebook, just little, little blurbs on, uh, on, my, on my Facebook page, and I, I make it public. I only have, you know, room for 5,000, but I, I have a, a fan page that's uh, uh, Bodie and Brock Taney, but my personal page is where I really get personal. And I, I it's so therapeutic to be able to use my voice, yeah. <laughs> to be able yeah. to open my mouth and talk to my friend. Yeah, as long know, as Facebook is, doesn't shut you down. <laughs> oh, man, they did. They did. Yeah. They sure they did, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh-uh. I know exactly uh-huh. what you're saying. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I I just want to cl- we should probably close it up. We're we're just a little bit yeah. past the hour, but I I think I remember now. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's something in your family, um, the Luzado Luzadas, that uh-huh. had to do with the temple itself. Was there something that I I don't remember? That, just, just that they you know just that they are listed. 
and I mean this is a this is a tent pole. Uh, you know, we're we're all a mix of a whole lot of different things here in America if we go back far enough. But 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 the tent pole of my descent goes straight back to them, and I think the fact that they that they were that they you know built uh, were were on the rolls for uh, building Bebas Mark and on the uh, on the rolls for building uh, Sherth Israel the you know the first uh, synagogue in New York and um, and then the first synagogue in New Jersey I I think that the fact that they were temple builders uh, that yeah. is yeah. Uh, that that's my you know that's my heritage and they were they were not I don't know that that they were great speakers I don't see a whole lot of that but the but the fact that they were the the workmen who made it happen and uh and did it through you know through their commerce they took their tithes and their offerings and they and they put it into making this happen and I can I can go visit their graves right now in yeah. uh in in the uh in the cemetery there and uh and I know who they are and on their tombstone uh it's written in in Hebrew who they are and what they did and I know where they came from and I know where I come from and I, it's not that I'm not a that I don't have other things in my DNA but that's you know that is my spiritual heritage amen and um and I I believe that the continuation of my writing um, is a is in a way you know being a part of the building of Israel the building up of Israel and the um, and the building up of the temple Amen. that is a spiritual temple. Yes, I mean we are all part of the rebuilding process. You know, yes, my my DNA goes back to uh, you know the Ashkenazi world of ancient of uh, Eastern Europe, Russian and Polish. Yes, but mm-hmm. uh, and they part of my family immigrated to uh, California, part went mm-hmm. to Canada, Ottawa and Montreal, and the other part went to Israel. So a bit of bit of a mishmash there, but I never have found any uh, religious bones <laughs> anywhere in in the uh, going back in my family. There were uh, the Abramoffs from Russia, uh-huh. and they were uh-huh. all business people. But uh-huh. what's so interesting to me, and uh, just a few minutes to share here, but uh, when I, I grew up in a conservative Jewish home, but my parents instilled that in only in me. My sister came around eight years later, but they sent me to Hebrew school, and they, you know, I went to synagogue on on Shabbat, et cetera, et cetera. I was the only one in the family that was born in the United States. I'm a naturalized Canadian citizen, but almost as soon as I actually understood that other countries existed, I had a desire uh, to live in the United States. I think I I remember even at the age of five and six, and I remember going to school and wishing that I lived in the United States because that's where I was born. I always had this draw to come to America. And um, once I was able to, and I think that the course of my whole life, it would not be the same had I not moved to this country and, and the father planting early seeds of, uh, you know, my roots. And then, you know, once I became a believer in Yeshua, the Messiah, being able to connect the dots for other people. So even though my family, you know, Canadian, you know, 
the father had me born in the United States of America. Yes. And I yes. don't think that's insignificant. So yeah, it, uh, it is. And and we, you know, all of us share that share that deep love for and and it's a spiritual love. It's not just um, you know, I'm my country right or wrong. This right. is this is a deep spiritual connection, Dina, for you and for me and for many, many other people. I, I, I love this country. I, I love our founders, and um, though they were not perfect men, they were guided by the hand of Almighty God. Amen. And this is the thing, this is the thing that we need to guard and I hear it in your voice. I hear what you're saying. And the fact that that our, our forefathers were people of commerce, and boy, could I tell stories about that because I know. But, I, but, but, the, but the fact that they were people of commerce who took their material wealth and put it into building something that would last until Messiah came. And this is this was the goal. This was their heart's desire. I, you know, it was your, uh, it was your family, being people of commerce. It was mine, being people of commerce, and they came here for those reasons. And um, I, we, I'm on the I'm on the western shore of this great continent, and looking out right now at um, at boats and kayakers, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm on the edge of the dream. Mm-hmm. And may God restore this state, California, yes. which is almost lost. But may God restore us. May God raise us up to be righteous people. May we see that outpouring of rock upon this entire land where, where we all awaken and say, we know who we are and we know what's coming and therefore, we will be this remnant here. We'll be this small remnant, and we'll be the ones who change the course of history. That's, that's what you long for and what yeah. I long for. Amen. Yeah. So, folks, that's, uh, you know, you have your marching orders. It's time for us to rebuild the house so that the yes. place of the presence of God can dwell yes. in the midst of his people and transform yes. this nation. Time for a great awakening uh, part three, I guess, or six, depending on how you count them. Yes. Uh, right. I just want to thank you, Bodhi, for taking time uh, to just to spend with me and just talking about these things. Uh, I'm so appreciative of the work you're doing, you and your husband, Brock, and, and your family, really. And uh, the, these conversations are really important. Um, people... They just need to hear this, and they, they need to, this needs to just get down deep in their soul. So yeah. I do just want to thank you once again thank for, you. for joining me, and I'm pretty sure we're going to be doing this again, folks, so don't I worry. So. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Dr. Yeah. Dina Dye with uh, Returning to Eden, and I'm um, just supposed to mention that in our, our next broadcast, we're going to have Rico Cortez on, and I have no idea what we'll talk about, but... I have a feeling we'll find something. So, Bodhi, take care. Stay in touch, you know, and, and uh, we'll get this broadcast out pretty quickly here. Blessings, okay. my friend. Thank you. Blessings. Love you, Dina. Love you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.